loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Welcome, everybody, to the newest episode of Pick and Pod here for WFUV Sports. I'm Chris Percyinen, alongside Nick Feta and Andy Perez. We're here back in the WFUV studios from our winter break ready to take on all the latest in the world of the National Basketball Association. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Let's do it. I'm excited. I'm ready to go. Nice Friday. Ready for the weekend. Ready to talk some hoops, as always. Yeah, I feel like picking pod is typically a midweek thing, but I feel like I usually schedule it on Fridays because I like it to have this feeling to it. Like, I don't, I don't like when pick and pod is like sandwiched with homework because it's like this is like i mean this this means something you know what i'm saying this means something so you end the week with it you go into a fun weekend of basketball we got a lot of action tonight including some local action andy how how you feeling about life recently maybe the basketball is is life for you but but how's how's things life's been good um obviously great to be back in new york after being out in la all winter break Good to be back in the studio. This is my first time on air since being back from winter break, so looking forward to it. Yeah, well, the Knicks and Nets both play tonight, so I figured we'd start local. Knicks taking on the Atlanta Hawks at 7.30. Brooklyn in Utah for a 9 p.m. showdown against the Jazz. Now, let's start on 33rd and and 8th down at the Garden where we have a basketball team. (laughs) That's one way to put it. There is a basketball team there. Um, there, we are long past the days of questioning the merits of the Knicks off season plans, like game on a game to game basis. And the reason I say that is because this is a real team, right? They're in the seventh seed right now, but they're tied for the sixth seed with Miami. Um, they're 25 and 21. They've, you know, for every 10 basketball games they play, they win five and a half of them. So like, This is a real basketball team, and I think the time has come to both discuss it as one, but also levy upon it the expectations that come with not being one of the laughingstocks of the association. The Knicks, uh, 40-plus games into a good season. Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle looking like a a pair of all-stars. R.J. Barrett riding his typical ups and downs, but uh, the downs existing within the team structure at this point not causing losses the ups leading to wins um things are progressing in new york the rest of the young players grimes quickly topping they're in the rotation mcbride in the rotation these guys are playing for coach thibodeau but there's one guy who's not i think that's where we start here with these knickerbockers cam reddish out of thibodeau's rotation for dozens of games now the trade market allegedly, according to Mark Stein, heating up. Miami, Dallas, some teams with interest. The Los Angeles Lakers, another. What do you guys think about the Cam Reddish situation? 
what team do you think should target him? And I think this can be a separate question. What landing spot do you think would be best for him? Yeah, I, it makes no sense that he's just riding the pine for the Knicks. Um, you know, well, for Tibbs it does, of course. But uh, he's still a young guy. He's that same draft class as RJ and Zion and, and Ja. Uh, fourth or fifth year, uh, it's it's kind of crazy that a guy with his offensive potential uh, as well as firepower, really, he's shown it, that he can come in and make that impact. Yeah, he's not a fantastic defender. Uh, he's a streaky player, but he also just has not been given the consistent run uh, to show that. And New York is clearly not the spot for him. Uh, he was traded for with Kevin Knox, which was a great trade for the Knicks at the time. Uh, and he just hasn't really given, been given the opportunity. And with Tibbs, it's very hard to get that opportunity. So I think that window's passed uh, as far as where he could go. I think a team like Dallas really could use someone like him uh, because when when they play those games where they, they lose, it's because their shooting their shooting is just streaky. It's Luka, and then they got a bunch of guys who are spot-up shooters, and then you throw Dinwiddie in there too as another guy who can create. Uh, but Cam Reddish really has that offensive potential and, and just hasn't been able to show it yet. And I think so many guys are expected to do so much right when they come in the league now at 19, 20 years old. Cam's still 22, 23 years old, so much time to grow and, and just so little shown from him because of the opportunity he's been given. So you set him to a place where scoring is needed, that's that's what he's going to do. So I think a team like Dallas, uh, it, you know, even maybe even Miami, uh, like like you mentioned, because those guys are an, if, <clears throat> an iffy offensive team as well, uh, could could contribute or could use Cam in that sense. Andy, how does that assessment make you feel I mean you know Knox was what the Knicks gave up but they also gave up that protected first round pick that uh, they acquired in return for the number 19 overall pick in in that draft so they essentially traded a a first rounder and Knox for Reddish he kind of did get a fair chance this season but he didn't make much of the opportunity um, it felt like he was, you know, giving up on plays once he took any contact defensively, offensively, checked out. Once he stopped getting the starting role, you know, once Grimes returned, it, it felt like it was never going to work here. Um, so, yeah, I think the Knicks would be best served to move on. Did did you have any spots in mind of where, you know, the Knicks might be best served sending Reddish or, or vice versa? Uh, I mean, a big landing spot that makes sense, at least in my opinion, is Dallas. Um for Reddish, you know, you uh, the possibility of getting back Reggie Bullock, just straight up Reddish for Bullock. Uh, Bullock obviously making a return to New York, previously having a stint uh, with the Knicks. Um, but, you know, given just that, like you said, just giving up on plays, you don't know what a team a team's interest in a guy like that would be, just given his struggles and eventually being phased out of the rotation completely. Yeah, I, I think the Knicks should... N- I'll put it like this. I don't think they should care about what player they get back for Reddish um, so long as that player's salary works out. They should just be looking for draft compensation in return. I I think their rotation is set. It's fine. Um, If they want to change the second unit, you know, maybe giving someone like a Bullock eight to ten minutes a game off the bench just to alleviate that load from the starters uh would serve them well but i'm certainly if i'm them not making any trade like this with you know reggie bullock in mind as the return if it's bullock and two second round picks 
I'll take the two second round picks, and Bullock will be the salary involved in the deal. It's the same thing Atlanta did. Um, their GM came out and said after they traded Reddish for the pick and for Knox that he didn't even say Knox's name in the press conference. He literally just said this first round pick is something we wanted, yada, yada. Um, teams are over and over again electing to get chances at fresh draft cycles and, and rookie contracts as opposed to keeping Reddish around. And so I think at a certain point you have to look at the common denominator there. Uh, it's got to be a team willing to work with him and get him to buy in to what it takes to be a, a contributing role player in the NBA. Um, ever since, you know, after high school, even at Duke, it felt like he was always playing above his production. It felt like his role was always above his production. You know, it, it, even today, people will say, oh, well, you know, he's never, he's just never gotten the ball. You just got to give him the ball and let him work. And it's like, okay, well, he can create three point shots, but he, he can drive to the rim, but he doesn't finish consistently and he doesn't make his mid range shots and he takes a lot of them. And he's okay at shooting the three, but he takes a lot of them. And he's not a great passer. He doesn't have amazing court vision. Not a great rebounder because he's not bulked up. He's a good off-ball defender because of his length and instincts. He's a bad on-ball defender when he doesn't try to be a good one, which is often. It's too many effort-related things that for me is just, does this guy want to be a role player or does he want to be a star? And developmentally, I think it's tough for a kid to be as good as he was in high school, be coasting off talent, and then get told, hey, you got to go do dirty work. Um, but o that happened to Obi Toppin, and he's been grabbing rebounds and you know running fast breaks. So uh, guys deal with these things differently. Reddish doesn't seem to have much interest in dealing with it the way quickly Toppin, Grimes, the rest of the young players have that have gone on to earn rotation spots, McBride as well. So I think that's why you see Reddish without a rotation spot. You can blame the Knicks for trading for him and not giving him one, but I think you also have to look at you know Reddish and, and his time in New York and, and how little he's accomplished. Uh, I think a team like Miami with a strong culture would be good. They can just get him in the building and, and show him what goes into winning, and then when he's ready to be a part of the rotation, get him in there, see if he'll play power forward, see if he'll grab rebounds, see if he'll space the floor, stand in the corner, do the dirty work that needs to be done before you know he earns pick-and-roll initiation touches, which is kind of what he wants. Um, so that's, you know, regardless, I don't think it'll affect the Knicks rotation too much when that deal goes down. But they might get someone back, like a Bullock, like you said. So I think that was a good shout from you. I, some, another direction to look at here, you know, the team is 25 and 21. As I said earlier, Mitchell Robinson, surgery on that hand that he had injured in the game against Washington. He's going to be out for at least three weeks. The Knicks, all of the players that they play most, Barrett, Brunson, Randall, uh, these guys all see dips in both their offensive and defensive ratings. Both of them get worse when Robinson's off the floor. Now that's both because Robinson's been good for New York this season, but also because they haven't gotten a lot of contribution from the alternative, which is Isaiah Hartenstein at that backup center. I think he's a good player. He just doesn't seem to fit with what Coach Thibodeau wants out of his centers, and it's leading to a lot of poor play. When you're leaning on McBride and Hartenstein for bench offense, you end up with Emmanuel quickly creating every single play. Now, do I think quickly is a creator? Yes. Do I think anyone should be creating every single play for their team's unit? No, whether it's starting or off the bench. So personally, if I'm the Knicks, I'm looking at a team like Atlanta saying, how bad do you guys want to shake things up? Uh, is Bogdan Bogdanovich available? Can he come here and gun off the bench? Can Quickly and Bogdanovich 
be enough to actually initiate offense off the bench that would get a Toppin involved, that would get a Hartenstein involved. You can take advantage of Hartenstein's passing when you have someone out there like Bogdanovich who can shoot as opposed to a McBride uh, or, or, you know, whoever they're playing. It, it, it's just... I think that there are directions this team can look in, and none of them point to Reddish. So I really think they should move on. Um, I also think that with Robinson out, there's a question of should they look to to grab a Band-Aid at the center position. Yesterday, it was reported by Ian Begley of SNY that the Knicks may have some interest in Serge Ibaka is a name he's heard floated as someone that they might look to trade for this morning. Not sure if this is a coincidence or not. I don't believe in coincidences in the NBA world. I think when you smell an inkling of smoke that there's a forest fire somewhere, there's always trade talks going on. Uh, it, it was reported this morning by Sham Sharania that Sergi Baca and the Clippers have agreed to find a new home. Or is it the Bucks? They agreed. Sorry, yeah, he was on the Clippers. He's on the Bucks now. The Bucks now. They agreed to find him a new home and that he'll be available on the trade market. So, uh, you know, are those things related? Should the Knicks pursue Ibaka or a different backup big is this a, a situation they should look to put a band-aid on um uh, me personally i think that they're not contending they're not on a timeline they didn't trade first round picks of their own in the future to assemble this roster 500 was the expectation i say this on pick and pot every week vegas had them at 39 and a half wins so every week that we come here on pick and pot and talk about a knicks team it's four or five games over 500 we're playing with house money I think just because you had a bad, you got dealt a really bad hand, that you don't buy in more. That you just keep playing with house money, see if you can work back up. If you lose little in the portfolio, that's okay because you're still up net at the end of the day. Robinson will be back, things will be back on track. Jericho Sims, someone that the team can turn to in Robinson's absence. They like to roster three centers, I believe, because they know Robinson's injury proneness is a real thing. So what do you guys think? Do you guys think they stick in house? Give the young center Jericho Sims some minutes. Maybe start Hartenstein. Maybe start Sims because he athletically profiles more like Robinson. I asked Tom Thibodeau about this after the last Knicks game. He said he has yet to make a decision. Obviously, it was right after the game. He has to look at the film. He said he wants to make a decision that will benefit both units. In my opinion, that would be leaving Hartenstein with that second unit that he's comfortable with and giving the starters an athletic rim-running high vertical having center in Jericho Sims. I don't think they should go and trade for any centers, give up any sort of draft capital to acquire help. If it's reddish for Ibaka straight up, then the team has four centers on the roster, two of which are arguably bad in, in Hartenstein and Ibaka. I just, I don't think Ibaka is what they need, uh, and I don't think he's good enough to be a Band-Aid even for this situation. Uh, either of you have a take on this, Nick? Yeah, there's there's no reason in my mind, for them to do anything. Mitchell Robinson being out is a major bummer, major blow for them, uh, but it's not a season-ending injury. Uh, he'll be out probably three-ish weeks, they said, so you got a good chunk of games in there. But for a guy like Serge Ibaka, it's not worth tra- – he's not the Serge Ibaka of the OKC days anymore. He's – there's – I just – I personally am a big Jericho Sims guy. I think that he's, again, still so young – has some experience, but not a lot of it because he just hasn't gotten the minutes. Uh, he's exactly kind of what you would want in a replacement for Robinson, just obviously not as good. But he's he's the third string center. Uh, but you don't yeah you don't put Hardenstein in there because that that completely slows down the offense. It completely 
changes the way that the starters go about kind of how they do things. And I think, you know, Mitchell Robinson is in the game to rebound and block shots. That's exactly what Jericho Sims does as well. And rim run and rim run. And Jericho Sims is more athletic than, than Robinson, just not as much of a paint beast or presence uh, that Mitch is. But, yeah. you know, you want that same kind of vibe in, in your mix. And again, I, I you never know with these young guys, Jericho Sims could play 10 games. He could play 20 minutes in 10 straight games and all of a sudden be really, really efficient in those 20 minutes. And you don't need him for 30. You could play him for 22, Hardenstein for 22. Both of them will see a minute jump because of Robinson's absence. But you don't necessarily want to shake things up because one guy goes down when you're Again, like you said, they're playing with the house money. They're a relatively successful team right now. Any team above 500, successful. Uh, so you don't want to change anything up just because a guy gets injured. They don't even know how things have gone yet. Uh, you got to you got to especially play and see how it goes. I don't think they have a terribly rough schedule ahead. Uh, but a, a game tonight against the Hawks will probably be a tough one, considering Clint Capella and Mitchell Robinson are a perfect center matchup for each other. But uh, I I wouldn't go ahead and do anything. I think you let the team play and it's a challenge it's it lets them lets Tibbs see what his guys have who's going to step up and how they're going to make it work you want to be a playoff team make it work yeah I I think Sims more of a switchable big Robinson more of a drop big um Robinson the kind of guy that occupies two passing lanes at once just with his size Sims someone that you trust to bounce between passing lanes because of his uh, more functional athleticism in a half court setting Andy What's your take on, on this situation before we, we move on from the Knicks here? Should they look to make a, a change at, at center with this injury? I mean, just going off of what you guys said, the Serge Baca trade just doesn't make that much sense to me, seeing that Robinson's out for only three weeks. You take Baca for those three weeks, and if he isn't a fit, you kind of waste draft capital, I'm assuming, to or move off of Cam Reddish, but for a guy who would eventually just be doing what Cam Reddish is doing, and that is taking a spot on the bench away from a guy that you could, like a Jericho Sims, who you could kind of throw into the fire now, see how they develop over time, and, you know, see what you have in that young talent who really hasn't gotten as big of a, or as big of a chance to shine. Yeah, I, I think especially when you have someone like Hartenstein, who, I, I, you know, you could argue is being a little misutilized this season, um, there are things you can look into to do something about this before you go make a trade and, and look outward. So uh, I think the Knicks would be best served just keeping things internal here, uh, as, as we kind of agreed. Let's go across town to these Brooklyn Nets. They're 27-17, and 17, but they've lost four straight games. Ben Simmons ejected from their last one. Uh, this team doesn't look very good without Kevin Durant. Let's put it that way. Uh, you know, they are 5-5 five and five in their last 10, including that four-game losing streak. So this is just... Uh, not everything is sunshine and rainbows out of Brooklyn right now, but do we think that you know with the return of Durant they'll be just fine? Do we think they need more help beyond that? I've talked weeks before. I think Alex Caruso is someone they should be targeting. Uh, I've said for for years that they have problems stopping the ball, which is a must in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Um, in my opinion, they need to make a roster change at some sort of fundamental level. I think they have the ability to do that with Joe Harris's salary and the first-round picks that they got back uh, dealing James Harden to Philadelphia. So there's something they can do. Um, there's someone they can trade for someone. Uh, if Chicago wants to tear it down, they might want to keep Caruso. I, I think they should not care and just take as many picks as they can get. The Nets offer. You know, they gave a first for Royce O'Neal, right? If they trade Patty Mills 
and a first-round pick for Alex Caruso. If I'm Chicago, I'm seriously thinking about taking a, a first-round pick that belongs to Philly. Uh, if, if Harden's about to jump ship for Houston and Embiid will leave as well, <laughs> Philly might be a good team to have a first-round pick from. So if I'm Brooklyn, you know, I'm looking into something like that. Um, if I'm Chicago, I'm I'm listening, <laughs> you know, but... Uh, what do you guys think of these Brooklyn Nets? Do they do they need help beyond the return from injury of Kevin Durant? Uh, see, I want to say no because of just you know obviously it's a, any sport is a game of hot and cold. But the Nets were arguably the best team in the league for a twelve or thirteen game stretch uh, when they had everything cooking for them. Kyrie playing well, KD playing MVP basketball. Kevin Durant is an MVP when he's on the court, no matter what. Even if he has a twenty point night, he's an MVP because of how much attention. You have to give him a loan. So I, I don't think you could. I mean, I, I like that whole Caruso idea. There's always those potential trade talks you can just go to and think, okay, that could be good. Uh, but it's hard to come to an agreement for two teams. Obviously, someone's not going to be happy. But uh, they're going to struggle for the bit that KD's out because they're, in reality, not a crazy talented roster. But you plug in a guy like that, or even the, the best case of it is LeBron with the Lakers. LeBron comes out of a game, the Lakers go down 12. LeBron comes back in the game, the Lakers go up two. Uh, so <laughs> superstars and MVPs are that way for a reason. When they go down, their team is going to suffer because the team's value will go down without the most valuable player. Common knowledge there. But, uh, you know, I, I think you could make a trade. Uh, but the Nets, again, like, like we've said so many freaking times on the show, uh, they have so much, always just so much buzz going around them, whether it's trade rumors or, or when it was Kyrie's drama, KD's drama, they finally settled it down. KD getting injured shouldn't, in my opinion, mean go and change things. Uh, if you can get a fantastic deal, sure, but it's very hard to make those trades work out, uh, especially in a, in a time of the season like this where teams are going to see, okay, KD's out. They want to take advantage of a trade talk, and they're going to because they know the Nets desperately need help if they're going to go that route. So almost like the Knicks, I want to say just – kind of stick through it you know there's still 10 games above 500 27 and 17 I think you live with what happens and when KD gets back they're not missing the playoffs that's clear it's just a matter of who they will play in the playoffs so I like that Nets team I like what they've done KD being out stinks uh they'll suffer but they'll be fine in the end Andy yeah I mean I agree with that um like the Knicks I don't think there's any reason to shake things up because KD goes down with as like he said, in the entire month of December, the Knicks were looking like the best team in uh, the NBA, just kind of with Ky with Katie and Kyrie do both doing what they do. Uh, they're they just looked really good, and kind of waiting through waiting through this time without Katie um, is going to be hard for the or hard for the Nets. But it's not something where they should be looking to make any roster changes or subtractions, additions. Uh, I, I think they needed roster changes before Durant got hurt. So I'm going to stick with that. Um, whether it's another interior presence, uh, whether it's someone, I think most importantly, they need someone who can stop the ball, someone who can guard the point of attack. Uh, they got to do something. Because right now, the way this team looks to me, it's still the team that got swept in the first round of the playoffs last year. It's still the same two guys that spearheaded that performance that are leading this team now. They're supposed to be some of the top players in the league, and they went out like that. 
it's clear that nowadays just having stars at the top isn't enough. You also need to have the right build behind them. I think this really started with, obviously, the Spurs having a team's team. But you look at the 2019 Raptors, they have positive defenders on that rotation, guys 1 through 10, right? So for Brooklyn, I, I love TJ Warren. I love O'Neal, these guys they've picked up with very little cap space. I think they're using a lot of cap space on Harris. Um, they got they, they got to make a move to either get a ball stopper or a defender of some kind so that they have more lineups to throw at teams in the playoffs. They can be more versatile of a team than this, and they can be better of a team than this. They shouldn't limit their ceiling uh, just because what's been going on so far has been better than what they've had recently. You know, the status quo in Brooklyn isn't exactly the paragon of NBA team management. I don't think they should be afraid to, to shake things up. Speaking of shaking things up, you know, I, we're doing a lot of trade talk, but it's a team that we brought up earlier as being in rumors. The Dallas Mavericks. Let's go down south for a little bit. Christian Wood, broken thumb, going to be missing time. I thought the Mavericks needed to make a trade before this Wood injury. Do we agree there? Andy's yes. nodding. Nick, nodding. Got some yeses. We, we are in agreement as a trio that this team was not ready to go for the playoffs as constructed now Christian Wood down he had been a really valuable addition for them bringing offensive versatility and some defense honestly at the rim to the table does this injury change who you think they need to target and and if it doesn't or does who should they target who did you think they needed to target is that who you still think they need now um, I know there's a point guard that plays for the Knicks that wears number 11 that they're missing a lot right about now. Uh, they didn't value him as a stud, star, dude-level guy. They let him go out the door because they figured they could replace him. They thought Christian Wood would do that, be a nice, cute, offensive addition to the team. Didn't bring a lot on defense. And they're seeing now, especially with the removal of Brunson from their offense, that having a second creator was really important and that heliocentric Luca might not be the, the solve all solution that they thought he might need to develop some off ball utility before this team is ready to contend. We saw Porzingis and him not work out. Um, what does this Mavericks team need to do? I, I think they really need to take a look in the mirror to start and, and acknowledge that change needs to come. Right. But Mark Cuban, you know, has been kind of vocal about understanding the concerns about Luca, you know, needing help and also has been like that's disrespectful to the other guys on the team. Yada yada. I think he gets Luca needs help. I think he's trying to get him help. Who will that come in the form of? Who should it come in the form of? Andy, I I'll go to you first if if you want to take this question on in either of those regards. Who should they get? Who will they get? Will they get someone? I don't know, but I think Dallas's big biggest problem has been defense. Um, just seeing, like, there's no doubt that Luca's gonna score, give you forty points, a, forty points a game. Uh, that's not really the question. Yeah, he lost his uh, Jalen Brunson to the Knicks last year, kind of making it harder on him, having him to, uh, be on ball more, just score, kind of do every. The offense run, runs through him in a way that it, even more so than in a way that it did last year. But I think in order for Dallas to kind of take that next step and to kind of get out of this 
weird little purgatory that they're in, they need to target someone who's going to be able to be help them on the defensive side of the court. Yeah, I think there's no team ever um, that has had one guy win them a championship single-handedly. Uh, you look at those Harden teams, he didn't even make a finals, which is, you know, uh, due to a couple other things that were out of his control, but didn't happen. Uh, Luka's kind of in the same boat. Very similar built teams, a lot of shooters around a superstar kind of ISO playmaking guy. Um, it's it's a recipe that works to win games, but not to win titles or win those kind of big big time games when you need them. Uh, and the Mavs were, were very good last year. They surprised a lot of people. Uh, but how long can that go? You know, again, injuries are going to kill everyone. It, it's, it's something that just happens to teams that you can't control. So when a guy like Wood goes down, uh, he's really their, in a sense, number two, number three, but he's their main, you know, front court player that is an offensive presence. Uh, you know, they're not constructed as a title team, but not every team can be. So I don't know if they can get there this year or next year or whatever it is. But if if you really look at what Luca can do, uh, it needs to be supported. And it needs to be supported soon because. Who knows? Maybe he decides, okay, I'm sick of this, uh, like LeBron did with the Cavs early in his career, and goes, I'm out of here. I want to play somewhere else with guys I know I can win with. I mean, if him and Jokic team up, I don't know. Uh, there's always those crazy rumors, but <laughs> could happen somehow, some way. Uh, as far as what the Mavs can trade for, I, I honestly don't know if there's a real answer uh, this season. I think there's too high of asking prices on a lot of those key guys that could draw interest and that, the Mavs don't have much to that, offer that's a great point I, I don't mean to jump you but like the name that comes to mind for me is like a Gary Trent Jr <laughs> you know like it's like the kind of and like is price that range is that, that gonna that bump them in. I don't to... know how hype we are about that's what I mean like, Gary Trent Jr coming down you know like, score ish but like not enough to to really make a change there I think like yeah it would he help if you get him for the right price sure but not to boost them from uh first round exit to a conference finals we're talking needle movers right yeah and and you think even if it's someone like a jeremy grant could be a needle mover for this dallas team but guys like that don't grow on trees and you know unless you're looking to the nba draft where they could draft jarris walker from houston try to build a jeremy from from scratch and have a project that would take years to develop they don't have a pick high enough to get that because they traded their pick to the knicks it's like this dallas team might be in a little bit of trouble um, they they have some stuff to to look at because they are not currently, in my opinion, constructed for prime time. I I think Luke is amazing. I think he's a top five player in the NBA. There's no doubt about that. There's a strong argument for top three. I also think that the assumption that you can just give him the ball every play and get a championship out of it, if if the right guys are around him, like have we ever considered what the right guys means? Does that mean two other all stars? Does that what? do you need because what Dallas has done which has tried different second bananas of different play styles and kinds is just not it's not enough they need a better team they need depth Finney Smith guys like that are great but I think this team needs to work a little bit on moving the needle with their roster construction and and, and like we were saying just being ready for a, a playoff setting I want to wrap up the show on the west coast two teams to talk about they're linked because they played this week sacramento kings went to the staples center to play the los angeles lakers defeated them and the lakers were serenaded by what's supposed to be their home crowd to light the beam chance 
Um, this, in my opinion, is a really big shift of, of things in, in Los Angeles and, and in California basketball. The reason I say that is because the Kings, for as long as I've been alive, have been the laughing stock of the NBA. They are currently seven games above 500 for what I believe is the first time since 2005. That would put us at when I was three. So they're not good. They haven't been good. And now they're 25 and 18. They're in the third seed, and they have sole possession of it in the Western Conference. These Kings and Lakers teams kind of be seen they see a little opposite directions going on. They both got talent, but the Lakers trending downward, getting older. The Kings, lots of young talent, Sabonis, Herter, Fox, the you know primo name guy. Uh, first of all, I think he should be the clutch player of the year. I think he should be the first guy to win that award. Um, a lot of people are saying, a lot of other players, Doncic being one of them, if you look at the numbers for like what we consider the clutch in a game, De'Aaron Fox is running everyone over in that time. He's playing fantastic. He's initiating and scoring. He's creating and finishing. It, it's everything you could want from a star point guard in big moments of a game. And so, you know, he's my pick for that for that award. Fox has been fantastic in the clutch this season. And the, other than Doncic, there hasn't been a better player than him in late-game situations. And, and that's just credit to Mike Brown. He has a really good offense going there in Sacramento. He has a lot of good stuff going on. But do we trust this Kings team in the playoffs? Do we trust them to win more than one series, to be more than a fun story? Do you guys think this Kings team is for real? I, like, love the Kings, honestly. Um, I always thought they were, like, I mean, they weren't a good team when when they've been trying to rebuild and all that stuff, but they're a really fun team to watch, and they always had that kind of potential just because of the really nothing-to-lose type of mindset that they had. I mean, longest playoff drought in the NBA, uh, and it's a, yeah, disgusting one, like you said. Uh, they're, like, just really constructed so well for the the modern NBA. Uh, and if you watch them play, it's fast pace. They shoot, they attack the basket. They're quick and athletic on D. It's Sabonis is a modern day big man in a nutshell, like right behind Jokic in that uh, field, I think, where he could give you a triple double any night. Uh, they got two all star caliber players. I, I think at least one of them has to make the all star team this year. They should both. Uh, and, and, you know, the really surprising part is I was looking at this team like, yeah, okay, they can, with with Sabonis and Fox for a full year, they will make the play-in. Maybe they'll sneak into that 7 or 8 seed. But, like, mm. they got a chance to to hold a playoff spot. Mm. To oh, host. To host, I was going to say. Playoff games. Not just be a top 6 seed. Which is ridiculous. Top four. Uh, and it's it's something that, again, <laughs> in our lifetimes, we we physically can't remember. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the I, I got a year on you, but that's not that's nothing when not it's 3 enough. to 4. Not so enough. it's like... <laughs> I'm I'm looking at the Kings and I, all I can think of is just abysmal seasons where, you know, they were never the worst team in the league, but they were never like even close enough to say they should make the playoffs. And and and, and, and they were the worst team in the league a couple times. Yeah, I guess. But like <laughs> they were also pretty and, bad. And now this year, it's it's finally like, you know, I saw a video of, I don't know what it was on, but I think my phone volume almost broke. Kevin Herter hits a three to tie the game with, like, 0.3 seconds on the clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it goes ballistic in that arena. And and it was it was the coolest thing I've seen. I was like, the Kings? For the Kings. So, I mean, again, you're in 
California, you're not thinking the Sacramento Kings. You're thinking the Lakers. You're thinking the Clippers. Thinking Golden State, obviously. Uh, Sacramento being at the top of that list there with the third best record in the West, that is a little underwhelming this year, yeah, but still a stacked conference with so many stars and, and star power on that side. To see the Kings, who are led by two all-stars, yes, but not guys that are the Luka or Steph or LeBron or Giannis, like just guys that are really talented all-star players and getting it done, it's amazing. I, that's I, That was a little bit of a rant for me from there, but I haven't spoken about the Kings this season because you don't – you, I didn't think I'd have to. Oh, you <laughs> so know, I like to mix it up. So it's a great, pod. like, it. but now they're worthy of the recognition. And, and that's what's so great about basketball specifically, where you go on runs like this, you cannot be ignored. They're running through teams. And yeah, it, and it's, it's, I was going to say, it's more than a run. Yeah. This is like a legit. You're seven games above 500, roster, yeah. 45 games into the season. You're you're a good basketball team. There's shout nothing out, hiding shout that. Shout out Mike Brand, Brown. Andy, I got your name in my head, which is how I messed that one up. <laughs> Our resident California basketball expert, talk to me about the Kings of Sacramento. Just how good is this team? Um, I mean, their offense is kind of the, the most fun I've had watching. Um, you turn on the Kings game, you, you, you know the offense is going to be a fun one to watch, just how fast it goes. Like with, And like you said, De'Aaron Fox kind of doing his thing with Sabonis. Um, but I think it's just interesting. You know, Sacramento's a one-sport team. They have um, – only the Kings. They don't have NBA. They don't have, or they don't have NFL. They don't have MLB. They don't have NHL. So they love their team, and I think that's what Nick was saying. Like that crowd erupted. So obviously, it's very exciting for the fans of the franchise who kind of really haven't done much since before we were born. Um, it's obviously great to see them doing that, and you know, kind of to go at least last night to go to Staples Center to play against the Lakers and to be greeted by their own fans to be serenaded with the light the beam chance that's got to feel great for them and it's kind of i don't know if you want to jump into it but kind of signifying kind of this shift in basketball on the west coast at least like the lakers are this old franchise um like where they go and where they headed like what direction they want to do is kind of riding lebron going to be enough for them or is it kind of time for them to yeah. take things a new direction i i think the two teams I was really high on in the West this season, I had the Nuggets over fifty-two and a half wins. Like I, I loved them to be the one seed, which they are right now. Uh, but the two teams I was really high on were were Sacramento and and namely New Orleans. Uh, I feel like these are two young teams with legit talent. The breakouts have happened. It's time now for the results to come. Both of them are bringing them to the table. Pelicans twenty-six and nineteen. The Kings twenty-five and eighteen. You watch that offense, like Nick, and and you were talking about Andy with Herder navigating around the court and spacing it. Sabonis playmaking on top of Fox's rim pressure and initiation. It kind of just runs itself. Um, You totally see where a Tyrese Halliburton doesn't fit there um, more than a Sabonis would. You know, like you kind of get that trade. Oh, yeah, they did get a two-time All-Star at the age of 25 without giving up a single draft pick in the same trade that they dumped Buddy Heald's salary and all they had to give up was Halliburton. Oh, that's not that bad. I I always thought the trade was good for both sides. I thought the reaction from the NBA community that this was the worst trade in NBA history. Uh, the, The Kings would never recover from this as a franchise. I always thought Halliburton was being way oversold in that regard. I love him as a connecting player. I don't see him as someone who will ever be 
even the second best player on a championship winning team. That's not a slight. He's a really good player. He's just not that good to where it's ruining a franchise to move him. They got a really good guy in return, and they are rolling with Sabonis and with Fox at the helm. Uh, again, shout out Mike Brown. What a team the Kings have. Let's look now, as opposed to third up in the Western Conference standings, third from the bottom, to the Los Angeles Lakers, 20-25, and 25, defeated by the Kings in this kind of highlight matchup of the week for us that we're going through here. I, I think we're at this point where I kind of just ask you guys if the Lakers should give up. <laughs> like, do, do they just sell at the deadline? Do they say, let's keep AD around? We got this guy. Let's get as many things as we can to in, in line so we can retool this offseason? Or do you think there's a move for this team that exists where they can use these two first-round picks they have? Go get a DeRozan and Vucevic combo. Go get something out there for these first-round picks and, and try to load up the roster with some depth and go out and try to win some playoff basketball games. They are currently, oh, jeez, 12 games back. <laughs> so... To get in the play-in, they need to be 10 games back. This is this is ugly for the Lakers. They're not good at basketball this season. Um, and while they have some good basketball players, the question must be posed of whether or not they're best served utilizing those players for their trade value as opposed to what they bring on the court. Nick, let's start with you. What do the Los Angeles Lakers do? Uh, the Lakers always just mess me up, man. It's, it's, it's a team where they... You know, you expect so much. Obviously, they're the Los Angeles Lakers. It's they have the best player of our generation, no doubt. And, and it's like, but besides him, without Anthony Davis, I mean, I love Russ. I love the guy, but he's not anything close to what he used to be. Uh, if you say if Russ is the second best player on this team without Anthony Davis, uh, they can't go anywhere. Uh, it's it's a bad basketball team. Like, if you were to take LeBron off this team, they might be the worst team in the league. I remember I have a friend who's, for some reason, a Pelicans fan, and he was so excited that the Lakers were awful because the Pelicans have their draft pick this year. So, you know, if the Lakers decide to call it quits with this season once they realize they're out of it and rest LeBron, uh, that's a good thing for New Orleans. They're going to get that pick no matter what. Uh, in terms of, you know, buying or selling, I don't think you do any thing this season if you're the Lakers because you know Anthony let Anthony Davis come back like you have a, a window with LeBron right and I think that window extends one more year you have one more year of LeBron because no matter what he's playing with his son in the 2024-2025 NBA season so you have one more season with LeBron he'll be 39 you know he's still going to produce every year you say he's not going to he does which is mind-blowing but I think you kind of just have this season be whatever it is. If you you obviously hope to make the playoffs for your franchise's sake, but you know if you don't and you get eliminated, rest LeBron for 10, 10 to fifteen games at the end of the season, whatever it is. Have those young guys play. See which of them are really worth keeping around for your future and also for role play, like bench players for the next season, and then you know work your way around that next off season. If you want to make trades, okay. But I, I think with Anthony Davis, this team has a chance to not win a championship, but contend. Uh, because he's a dominant force. LeBron still dominant. Uh, and Russ, when he doesn't have to score the basketball, is still a good basketball player. Uh, but that's it, though, I think. You know, there's not much they can do. They have no assets to give away except for these kind of old players who don't have much value. Uh, so I think with the Lakers, they're 
set in their stone right now. I don't know. Yeah, and it's strange to me that this Lakers team, I mean, is the team that won a championship two years ago in 2020, or three years ago now in 2020. Um, kind of with with kind of the same core with with LeBron and AD, and we saw it in the middle of the season this year when LeBron and AD were sharing the floor. You saw flashes of what they could have been when they switched Rusk to coming off the bench rather than being that starting point guard. Yeah, and AD, AD was really good this yeah, season. Yeah, AD was like uh, MVP yeah. level, arguably good. some of the best basketball he's played. But it, you just can't get him on the court consistently. Yeah. Um. So I mean, as far as this season goes, with the timeline for AD coming back from injury kind of still up in the air. Uh, it's hard for the Lakers to kind of say which direction they want to go, whether they want to kind of retool for the, for the future, which is hard to do when you have LeBron, who's going to want to win no matter what. He's not going to stick around on a sinking ship. Um, yeah. Yeah, go take Bronny somewhere and uh, maybe win some basketball games somewhere else, leave another franchise without any future draft picks. I think that note is where we leave it off for this week talking basketball on both coasts and everything in between Knicks, Nets, everything around the National Basketball Association that's going to wrap up this episode of Pick and Pod. I'm Chris Percyinen. I've been alongside Nick Fada and Andy Perez and we are talking NBA basketball on Pick and Pod for WFUV Sports, your number one spot for all basketball news. Stay tuned to all our feeds. Stay covered throughout the season. Thanks for listening. Thank you.